Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad, after listening to it ten times in a row, the Grinch's heart shrunk two more sizes. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine. It is December 2019. If you're listening to this way in the future, yeah, that's the old days. So there you go. Uh, remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are to listen to this show. So if you're not, turn it off now. Click bye. Okay. Uh, on tonight's show, we kick off the holiday season with a holiday gift guide. Some uh, fun stuff that I've seen that, you know, if you want to buy it for me, I'd take it. Uh, my guests tonight are two guys, another two, another two-person interview, and it's with Jim Paul and David Pitts, and we're talking all about Dunhill lighters, and these guys know a lot about Dunhill lighters. And they may be able to help you get your hands on a really nice Dunhill lighter for a really nice refurbished one for cheap. So uh, we have that. Uh, music, mailbag, and uh, no more rants for the holiday season. We're skipping the rants for a while, and I'll just, you know, uh, I'll pontificate or rave about something each week. All right, and uh, in reference to what's coming up in tonight's uh, rave... Uh, those of you that follow me on social media, it's Brian Levine on Facebook and on Instagram. You will see that my daughter had a, a little bit of a diabetic episode on uh, Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. And I want to first of all, thank you all for all the wishes and outpouring of warmth and all the fun little pictures that were posted uh, it does mean a lot to all of us, especially from all around the world. I mean, just a, an amazing community of friends that I have primarily because of the pipe. Um, anyway, she's on the road to recovery, dealing with a concussion. And uh, so what happened was her blood sugar dropped and it put her into a diabetic type of a seizure and she hit her head on the ground and the uh, worst part is, is now she's dealing with a concussion and has to have some uh, EE, an EEG and some other tests, but we've got her here at home. It happened while she was at home and not off at school, so we're very thankful for that. And she's on the very slow road to recovery, and you should have seen her face when the doctor told her part of a concussion recovery is no electronics. So tell a 22-year-old no phones, no computers, and no televisions. <laughs> yeah, that may be the most painful part. All right, well, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Kevin Godby from PipesMagazine.com with some good news. Our favorite Dunhill tobaccos, Early Morning Pipe and Nightcap are two of my favorites, are now back under the Peterson brand name. These are not match blends where another maker tried to reverse engineer their blend to make something that's close to the original. These are the exact recipes and tobaccos being made in the same factory, STG in Denmark, where they've been making the Dunhill tobaccos for almost 10 years. They had about a year and a half, two year hiatus, and now they're 
back, still being made the same way, but now under the Peterson name. Check with your favorite retail tobacconist for early morning pipe, nightcap, royal yacht, mixture 965, Elizabethan mixture, deluxe navy rolls, flake, dark flake, and standard mixture, now under the Peterson name. Yep, still good. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And I think I've done this every year, but this is uh, pretty much an annual holiday gift-giving guide. If you're giving a gift to a fellow pipe smoker or uh, if you're a significant other and looking for a gift for a pipe smoker, well... Here's my ideas. All right. A couple of things caught my eye in particular, you know, books are a perfect, it's a perfect time of the year for books. And, uh, one book that I've, uh, that I've read most of, and I've really enjoyed is from our, uh, our, our fellow listener, uh, Michael, and it's the Sherlock Holmes, the case of the undead client under the pen name of MJ Downing. And there is a lot of pipe smoking references in it. It's a brand new take on a Sherlock Holmes novel and would be a great stocking stuffer available on Amazon. Again, look for The Case of the Undead Client by M.J. Downing. Uh, Peterson, the Peterson Pipe Book, the long-awaited one from, uh, uh, from Mark Irwin and, uh, and gang, <laughs> uh, is out now. It's the, uh, the complete story of the of Captain Peterson and it's Mark Irwin and Gary Malmberg researched this for years. It's a big coffee table size, almost coffee table size book, big, beautiful, uh, available smoking pipes has it on sale or available right now. Uh, also while we're talking about Peterson, of course the new Peterson, uh, the new Peterson Dunhill blends, uh, the new Peterson tobaccos are out and they make perfect stocking stuffers. So you can pick those up. Also, reading-wise, uh, anybody that listens to this show and listens on and is that interested in pipes and pipe tobacco should be a member of the NASPC. And this is the time of the year for those of you that are members to renew your subscriptions. I believe it's $24, $26 for the mailed uh, pipe collector newsletter that's 60-some-odd pages and comes out six times a year. And I think it's like 10 or 12 bucks for the digital version. So go to naspc.org. You can gift the subscription. You can buy yourself one. There's really no reason why if you're listening to this show and you like pipes that much, there's no reason why you're not a, uh, <laughs> not a member. Um, pipe cleaners. Pipe cleaners are one of my favorite stocking stuffers. So if you're looking for stocking stuffers, get people assorted pipe cleaners, you know, get them a, get them a pack of bristles, get them a pack of fluffies, get them a pack of tapered, a pack of regulars. You're talking like eight, 10 bucks. And there you go. You're all done. You don't have to worry about what type of tobacco they like, what type of pipe they like. Just get them pipe cleaners. Uh, speaking of pipes, uh, Peterson has a gorgeous Christmas pipe this year that I've actually seen in person. The, the brass cap is, is sharp looking. The uh, chocolate uh, stem is really good looking. And they retail what, $125 for a brand new Christmas pipe. So check out Peterson. 
Uh, and a couple other things that caught my eye in particular. Uh, on smoking pipes, they have an English tobacco box press. And these are big brass presses that you can use to press your own tobacco. Uh, really heavyweight, solid. And they come in uh, copper, silver, and uh, and yeah, just pretty things. And they're thirty nine ninety five. So I'm really tempted to play with one of those myself. Uh, also, Eric Stokeby's fourth generation has launched some new combo pouches that are currently out of stock, but I bet they'll get more in before Christmas. Uh, uh, really good looking pipe pouches. Um, a three pipe and a four pipe. Uh, just. Good-looking stuff. And, of course, Eric sources out the leather himself and works with the manufacturers to design it. And Eric, being a pipe smoker, knows exactly what we want uh, for our pipes. Um, other than that, look, if you want to go on a cruise, you know, a cruise is the best gift for Christmas, especially if you want to do it in uh, February, March, April, January, getting away from the cold weather and getting down to the warm Caribbean. Or if you want to take a family summer vacation, Reach out to me. You can email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com or brian.levine at mei-travel.com, and I will get you the, uh, I'll make sure you're getting the best deal possible on the correct cruise for you. And I will follow you all the way through the cruise and help you prep and manage your cruise and all that stuff. So there you go. Holiday seasons are here. Um, Again, hope you all get a chance to uh, sit back and relax and reflect during the holiday season. But there's a couple of gift ideas for you. And now, in just a few moments, Jim Paul and David Pitts. This is Internet Radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn, or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us are two guys. Neither of you are pipe makers, neither of you are into tobacco. This time we're talking about lighters, and in you know, specifically the world-famous Dunhill lighter. So please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, Jim Paul and David Pitts. Guys, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having us. All right, so let, let's get to know uh, each one of you real quickly. Jim, where, where'd you grow up and when did you start smoking a pipe? I'm originally from New York. Um, I guess one could call me a war baby. Unfortunately, I can still remember the end of World War II. Um, as far as my introduction to pipes was concerned, my father, who is British, um, had always smoked a pipe. And I grew up, I guess, with the aroma of John Cotton tobacco in my house growing up. As far as my getting into smoking, um, 
that was something that started for me at a very early age. Um, I think I had my first tobacco at the age of nine. Uh-oh. Um, and it started with cigarettes, like it does with most kids. And uh, little mishaps of my life was growing up around horses and stables. And my great buddy, a guy by the name of Henry Noy, and I got a hold of a carton of Lucky Strike cigarettes, went into the tack room, and smoked the whole bloody carton. Wow. <laughs> and uh, that led me away from cigarettes for quite a while. And... Um, I think it was around nine or ten years old or so. I stole one of my dad's pipes and tried it out, and I've been smoking a pipe ever since. And and uh, followed in the family tradition and started smoking John Cotton way back when. And that's a long story in itself. But that led me to pipes. David, how about you? When did you? Uh, Where did you grow up? And when did you start smoking a pipe? Uh, I grew up. Uh, my father was in the Navy, so we traveled, you know, we were in many states uh, until I was probably six years old. And um, I guess I didn't smoke my first cigarette until I was probably 10 or 11. Oh, yeah. But, a late uh, bloomer. And yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I would smoke occasionally, you know, we'd steal cigarettes from my father, or my grandmother or something, and even maybe buy them. But I didn't played football and certainly my uh, I couldn't get us you know my father would never give us uh, give me a permit to smoke at school you could actually smoke at school and just had a smoking area and all that wow. and uh, so <laughs> maybe I would sneak out there occasionally or smoke a cigarette in the bathroom but I didn't I didn't really start smoking until I was 40 years old and uh, it was my second marriage and uh, my wife smoked she was crazy my second wife was crazy and uh, pretty much the, uh, there was a lot of stress so I started smoking regularly then uh, <laughs> I started smoking those Dijon clove cigarettes they don't you can only get cigars now because of, uh, I think during the Obama administration they outlawed flavored cigarettes so yeah but smoking three packs of those are, were, are certainly hard on anybody's lungs so I uh, Probably in 2007, I just started smoking regular cigarettes. And a few years ago, I, I picked up the pipe, trying pretty much uh, to lower the amount I was smoking, which I had. I did cut down. So I do smoke the pipe. I, I like cigars as well. So I'm still trying to cut out the cigarettes, but I hope to quit cigarettes, certainly. And, but I, I think I would continue to smoke a pipe or, or a cigar, occasional cigar. One day at a time. That's how we do it. One day at a time. Yeah. All right. So I'm we're down under, I'm down to under a pack a day. So that's good. <laughs> good for me. So we, we, we've got you guys on here cause you're doing something fun with Dunhill lighters in particular and kind of, uh, I guess Jim, if you want to talk us through the, the origin of your of your love of Dunhill lighters and then what exactly you guys are doing and how you two came together. My attention to Dunhill lighters came at a very young age, um, and I was kind of fascinated by the device. One of the things that has always been a part of my life is anything that is mechanical. My mother had a Dunhill lighter, and I used to play with this thing all the time flipping the lid to the thing. 
The Donut Lighter has a very unique sound to the cap. And when I got back to Dunhills on my own, uh, every time I opened one up and closed the cap, it kind of reminded me of my mother's lighter, which unfortunately disappeared 14 years ago. Um, I kind of wish I still had it. And that, that was sort of my introduction to what a Dunhill lighter was. I knew what a Dunhill pipe was because my father had a whole collection of them. Um, how I got into what I am doing today with these lighters and how I got so involved in them um, started in Austin, Texas. Um, I had a lighter in my desk drawer that was made in Switzerland. It was a Florence lighter. And the mainspring of that lighter had broken, and I had tried many times to refabricate a spring and could never get it quite right until one day, lo and behold, one was advertised on eBay. <laughs> so for the whole total of $3.50, I got the right spring. And with a tremendous amount of patience, it took me about eight hours of total time to take this little thing apart and put it back together and get it to work. The lighter is 105 years old. It was my granddad's. Wow. While doing this, I had a roommate in Austin by the name of Francis Landrum. Francis was from Louisiana and had been caught in Hurricane Katrina. And Francis, looking at me sitting at my dining room table working on Grandpa's lighter, brought out a gold barley Dunhill lighter in a box, totally encased in a very fine yellow silk sand. Mm. The lighter had been buried in his house during Katrina. And somehow or another, when they went through the house after it all dried up, the lighter uh, was so valuable to him that he pulled it out and tried to play around with it himself, only doing some more damage to it. So when he gave me this thing, it was just a mess. And I started to take it apart, and the inside of the case was totally filled with silk. And I was at quite a loss as to how to fix this thing. The inside of this lighter, which is quite a piece of mechanics, which I'll go into in a bit, has approximately 60 different working parts to it and a bunch of springs. And of course, I made the first mistake of popping the spring and Propping it on shag carpet is not the best idea in the world. <laughs> so I finally went to the internet, starting to look for somebody, someplace, um, who could supply me with parts and some advice as to how to really approach this thing as I tried to fix it for Francis. And I came across David Pitts's Facebook page and a number. And I called him on the phone and told him what I was doing. And David, who uh, has been very involved in these lighters for quite some time, and he's going to tell you his whole story, but he's been collecting Dunhills, and it turns out is one of the major collectors in this country of Dunhill lighters, um, normally doesn't 
talk to people and tell them how to fix their lighters over the phone. But it appears I impressed them with my patience at doing this orange lighter. And this led to a conversation, which was two years plus ago, and has now turned into a great friendship and us working together uh, on downhill lighters to an extent that I have moved from Austin to Louisiana. And David and I now live three and a half miles away from each other. <laughs> and uh, the downhill whole scenario is part of our daily life. So I want- that's, that's how I led into it. And that's sort of how it started developing today. And the question may be asked, why the downhill? And why and what is the significance of lighters? As I said, I like anything that is mechanical. And Dunhill, which has not been manufactured in uh, its original state, um, went out of business when Alfred Dunhill II passed away. And that was 1979. They kept trying to make them, but the sheer cost of producing a downhill roller gas lighter today is prohibitive. And in getting into this and seeing the precision of it, and the sheer fact that working on lighters that were made in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and 80s still work. Yep. The whole main basis of the quality of this lighter is you can light tobacco with it every time, no matter how old it is. And that, that was the beginning of us of us getting into this and the reason I got into it. And now I'm just totally rebuilding them, totally and completely trained by David. Um, he's my mentor. And I, I hope that answers the question. It, it, yeah. It's a long answer. No, but what we'll do is we'll take a break right here and then David will talk about your fascination with the Dunhill lighter so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute have a look in your tobacco cellar what do you see think of what you smoke what you age what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more that's your taste and whether you know it or not you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby and we are back on the pipes magazine radio show talking lighters with jim paul and david pitts all right david i mean what what got you fascinated with the dunhill lighter uh well i I think it was around 2006. My uh, 
this lady who was a nurse who lived across the road from my parents and I used to do a lot of work for her and she was a very sweet lady and she was kind of like the doctor of the neighborhood you know that's the way yeah. nurses are in neighborhoods and so she uh she helped treat me several times growing up and I had a quite fondness for but she died and um, pretty much her son just took all of her stuff and threw it out in the yard to throw away and my father volunteered to help haul it off so that he could you know he could actually go through the stuff and, and save what was really you know nice well he one of the items he threw out was her prized Dunhill roller gas uh, and she had bought it I think in uh, 1984 and that was her prize lighter and he just threw it out in the yard my father picked it up and when I come home to visit he uh he gave it to me so uh, so I used that for several years and loved it and uh it was about 20 years old at the time it you know it started leaking and uh, I didn't know how to fix it, so I just put it in, uh, as everybody does, <laughs> uh, put it in the top drawer of their dresser and just wait until they figure out what, you know, how I could fix it. So I guess it was about 2010, uh, my, I was selling some of uh, my father's uh, handmade sword racks and stuff like that. So I was selling them on eBay for him. Uh, I'd already retired, so I had plenty of time. And I, I just was thinking, maybe there's a, a kit or something to repair these. So I looked on inter, on Facebook, on eBay, and sure enough, they had uh, kits available for people to repair their own lighters. Well, I ordered one of the kits, and uh, it was basically giving me five sentences on how to rep- you know how to how to do this uh, repair job. <laughs> so. I did it and it worked and it, I got a lot of satisfaction from it, but I was thinking, you know, there's, <laughs> I'm a pretty smart guy and, you know, most people couldn't, I, the way I saw it, most people would not know how to, to do the, the troubleshooting and all that that's involved when you repair one of these. And, uh, so I started making my own kits and selling them on eBay and as time grew, my instructions grew from, uh, one type page to what what it is now two type pages, and uh, I sell quite a few kits uh, every year. I, I probably sell at least six hundred. Wow! And I sell them all all around the world. So a few years later, you know, I I guess five years ago, I started a Facebook group and. Uh, as well as a, a page, and uh, I pretty much linked to my eBay accounts on the on being able to buy them. And uh, a lot of times too, I, I do re- do repairs as well because some people it might be very elderly and they can't see or something like that well enough to do it, so they send them to me as well and uh, do repairs and, and send them back. Or they might not be uh, physically adept like me. <clears throat> and uh, clumsy with little things and they may just want to send it to you and have you do it exactly that's and that's and that's fine too i say well just go ahead and send it to me and um, so i'll repair probably i'm guessing 100 lighters a year probably now jim mentioned your dunhill lighter collection um i mean how far back in the dunhill lighter history does your collection go 
pretty much from the beginning of me selling the kits because once I fit, fixed one, fixed my, the lighter, it's like, you know, I would see other lighters, and I would say, I don't have that model, and I would buy it and repair it. And then once once I got to the point where, you know, had a lot of the basic models, I would uh, see one better than mine, and I would buy that one. Then I would end up selling the one in my collection because I'd keep the better lighter. So most of the, the lighters in my collections are are in excellent condition just from years of doing that. And then so I would take turn over the money and basically I built my whole collection probably which is worth over a hundred thousand dollars just from you know using the money from the kids or using the money from uh, other lighters I sold. And the and got, the significance of Dunhill is I mean Dunhill made the first one-handed operational lighter, correct? Uh, well, they they initially. Dunhill did not make any lighters. Basically, they would uh, they would they would buy you know have a contract with a company and they would let like El National or another company Wise in Greenwood, and uh, they would put their name on it. And the unique came out in 1919, and uh, Dunhill started selling lighters in 1914. And uh, but the unique came out. There were like probably 10 or 15 companies that. Wise and Greenwood would, would sell the unique under their names. And uh, in 1924, uh, Dunhill was so, you know, they, they wanted to, uh, they bought the patent from Wise and Greenwood and, and continued to have them make the, a lot of their, their sterling silver ones and all. But, uh, yeah, the unique is what uh, was the lighter that put them on the map. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right, so I'm sitting here, and I've got a Dunhill lighter that is, well, I'm actually sitting here, and I've got a Dunhill lighter that is old and dysfunctional, which is you know, not too far off from the person holding the lighter, too. Uh, how, do we, how do we go about getting them to you to fix up our Dunhill lighter? Well, this is Jim answering that, that question. Um, on the lighters that you have that you, you wanted repaired um, because you and I had spoken about it and because David and I are working together. Um, David, give the your post office box and Brian, what we requested you do is to send it to David at his post office box, attention to me because I'll be the one doing the actual repair of it. But David, give your your post office box. Oh, my post office box uh, is uh, is David Pitts, P.O. Box three eight nine, Rose Pine. That's one word. Uh, Louisiana seven zero six five nine. And then what does a what what does an average cost for a you know for a lighter that I guess it's hard to say why it's not working, but if if it ain't working, what do what am I looking at paying to get it cleaned up and, and back to working? Well, generally for a standard like roller gas, it doesn't need any parts besides just new O-rings and maybe a new uh, inner seal of the needle valve. It's like $50. That's about a half to maybe a third of what the Dunhill authorized people or whatever Dunhill might charge right now for just an overhaul. 
Yeah, it is, and that's what, and that's, and and that's kind of that's why I started it too. Because I mean, there's a lot of a lighters on eBay and stuff that's not worth, you know, even if you were to send them to uh, the authorized repair service, uh, would not be worth still, you know, would would not be worth the money to do that. So, you know, I I wanted to keep as many of these Dunhills up and running for people. You know that's uh, maybe that's uh, that maybe wouldn't be worth the time sending it to the authorized repair service. And then, David, are there any Dunhill lighters that you're still looking for that are oddities? Well, I the, I should have probably bought the the NK broad you know the the, the broad boys made in the in the fifties. I should have bought some then, you know, a few years ago because now they're all, they've really become popular and their uh, sterling silver model would now cost you over a thousand dollars. Oh, wow. And a stainless, uh, just a, a plated one uh, is worth $500, uh, especially if it's in decent condition. So I wish I would have bought those uh, back when they were more affordable, but I can still plan to maybe if I find it a nice one to go ahead spend the extra money <laughs> yeah when it comes to the, when it comes to the buying of these lighters buying it's a rather interesting phenomenon which has happened going back to a little bit of my background i am retired from 40 years in advertising and marketing which started in new york and when i started seeing david's repairing the kits started looking at the different repair centers, etc., available through the internet. Started looking at lighters being purchased from the internet and starting to purchase them myself. I learned rather early on it's a buyer beware situation. Buying a lighter from a photograph off the internet uh, does not necessarily talk about what is in the lighter. And as this began to form, um, friend of mine in Austin and myself started a little group called Artisan Pipe and Lighter Restoration. And I started selling these lighters strictly through word of mouth at first um, and doing a complete overhaul of the lighter, no matter what condition it was in when I bought it. One of the most painful things to any lighter is if it has been sitting in a drawer empty for years or somebody has left a flint in a lighter. Flints swell and can damage any lighter. So we got into this whole repair scenario, and this then led to my bringing to David some marketing. There's a lot of people out there fixing lighters. There's an authorized Dunhill repair agent charging sometimes um, anywhere from what we are charging at 50 up to a basic minimum service charge of $120 and more. And I suddenly saw a need and started discussing this with a mutual friend of ours, Jim Foster, who is also involved in the marketing world, that the whole subject requires a great deal of branding and we are in the process now. I'm looking at working with David's group and questioning them, uh, 
they are collectors, they are resellers, they are people who have, like myself, learned from David how to redo a lighter. Um, they redo their own collections, they redo lighters for other people, and bringing their expertise and knowledge together, bringing a group together that can share in parts, uh, in refurbishment of parts, original parts um, are very difficult to find. Yep. The only original parts that exist is what is left over from when Dunhill was in business. Wow. And uh, for this, we will buy lighters, sometimes mainly just for their parts, and microscopically examine those parts, refurbish those parts, and those are the parts that will go back into a lighter. When we sell a lighter, we replace the original Dunhill guarantee on that lighter. We're one of the few people that fully warranties our work. Uh, and we're able to do that because of the care we give to each and every part and the fact that we do every, every uh, lighter. I recently put this one on eBay. The seller has refurbished Dunhill lighter. When I got the lighter in, it was gorgeous until I opened it up. To find the inside valves uh, coated with plumber's tape. <laughs> Somebody had years ago gone into the lighter themselves, couldn't find parts, never went on to look for kit, so they tried to seal the lighter up with plumber's tape. The lighter leaked. It was a gorgeous lighter, but it leaked. That's why I say buyer beware. Yep. Um, and that's how we sort of started forming how we will treat lighters. And I primarily sell my lighters to wholesale. David sells them more to retail. Um, and if I'm selling to retail, I've got to offer the warranty. It's the most important thing to them. And that's how I market most of my lighters. Um, but bringing all of this together, bringing some of the different clubs, identifying customer bases, in um, reaching out to them um, is all part of one of the great thrills I have of this thing, besides working on the lighters themselves. It's the reorganization. What's mostly interesting in this whole Dunhill scenario is there are fine lighters out there. There are $300 lighters out there. SD DuPont produces a very fine lighter, but it is not a Dunhill. Dunhill has moved from a point of being a great lighter to carry in your pocket and scratch up and bang up and everything else. And in the refurbished lighters that we are selling, uh, we will sell a, a use lighter. And the price of the lighter is determined by the condition of the outer case of the lighter. Some of those lighters have sold for as little as $50. The warranty on a $50 Dunhill from us is identical to a $500 lighter. But an A-plus outer case of a plated gold or silver or lacquered Dunhill lighter, the insides of that lighter are identical from one to the other, which is a rather important point to understanding these. With the history of Dunhill lighters, the price always kind of mattered on how it was decorated, and but the internals were almost identical, correct? The internals are all identical. And in refurbishing, we make them all identical. 
But where the lighter becomes totally amazing is matching the lighter to the customer. They say you have some who want to just light their pipe, their cigar, and their cigarette, and want a lighter that simply works. Well, when we're offering a lighter that may be 60 years old, that has worked all of these years, totally been refurbished again, it'll work for another lifetime. These are lighters that are passed down from generation to generation, which is amazing. It's one of the few products of this type that has this lifespan. Mechanically, the way the thing was constructed and over the years of them improving it, each part interacts to another, eliminating wear. Um, it's one of the reasons, just from its sheer engineering, that, it, that these things last so long. To the fact that we recently worked on a lighter that is a museum piece, and I'm going to let David describe the project that we did. One of the other things, before I give this over to David to describe this roller light that he did from, it's an XP39 lighter, is one of the things that I am bringing into the group at this point is people. And I had a gentleman from Liberty Hill, Texas, who is a retired engineer from IBM, who is now a tobacconist with a store, Bright Fire Cigar, who now carries in his store probably one of the largest displays of dungeon lighters in Texas. I'm giving him a plug. Um, but Keith Bright took on a project of the restoration of the 1939 roller light lighter. Roller light being the precursor to the roller gas lighter. I'll let David again describe the difference of these two models. Um, but it, it allows us to go into doing museum-quality pieces, and that's the point I'm driving to here. The Dunhill lighter has become so iconic that they have gone for amazing collectible prices on such auction houses as Sotheby's and Christie's and Burnham's, uh, and there are very few lighters that hit that auction level. They are museum pieces. Over the history of the lighter, manufacturing of some of these lighters has been farmed out to some of the finest jewelers in the world, Cartier being one of them. Yeah. So there's a whole aura around this one little, what may seem insignificant thing, a cigarette lighter. But it's quite a contraption. David, describe the difference between a roll of light and a roll of gas and tell the story of what we just did. Uh, well, the roller light was introduced in 1938, and it pretty much looks like a roller gas, but it runs on petrol. The first uh, few years, the very first uh, edition of the roller light, though, was had a the the platform that the, the flint mechanism fits on and all that was removable, and the you know in the roller gas in the later years, and the and the very first ones they made though. The uh, that whole mechanism is soldered to the uh, to the base, basically. So you cannot you could not remove the you could not remove it and put a, a axle in in the roller and then slip it back over like the uh, the roller you know the ladder 
roll of ice and the roller gases. So this guy sent me, he said, uh, I hear you can, you know, you're the roller light, roller gas guy. Can I send you a lighter? And I said, sure. So he sent me the, he, he sent me this, uh, 1939 solid 14 karat gold, uh, roller light. And he had already sent it to the authorized, uh, Dunhill repair center. And basically they took it apart and told them that they couldn't fix it. <laughs> and so he sent it to me. I didn't know that at the time when I accepted it. So I accepted it and I looked at it. I said, this is going to take some time because the, the axle was broken and was missing the, the bottom. Most of the, uh, uh, most of it was missing. All I had was really the top part of the, the, uh, the axle that the uh, and instead of the uh, the striker wheel uh, being just fitting on top of a, a hexagonal post, it would basically screwed on to the axle and was still there. I still had it. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not a machinist uh, and certainly don't even have machines to know how to do that. So that's when I presented it to uh, Jim Paul and he found Keith in. Uh, uh, just above Austin, and um, so I, we took the lighter over to him, and he looked at it. It's a uh, it's solid gold, and it's actually got a watch on it on the top, which is what makes it so rare. Because uh, from what I understand, there's only three or four of those known to exist, and one of them is in the Dunhill uh, Lighter Museum in London. So um, I gave Keith the challenge, uh, see if he could do it, and. Uh, he accepted it and it took Keith had a lot going on his uh, mother died and, and his father had an accident and all so he so it took it took longer than what he initially had thought but because of uh, of what was going on in his life but uh, he did finish it recently and we went to go pick it up in fact he was uh, so gung-ho on it, he even actually wicked it and all that, did the stuff that I was planning on doing. He he did it himself, and I have to say that it's, uh, he did a great job, and literally uh, it's something that that Dunhill could not do themselves. And we had he had we had to pretty much re-engineer the axle of what it how how it had to attach to the uh, thumb roller because. Uh, basically, I, from what I understand, that's when when the owner got the lighter originally. You know, you could just spin the the thumb roller, and and the wheel on top did not move because the axle was broken off. So Keith engineered a, a new axle and made out of stainless steel that should never break. And the owner is going to be delighted to get it back. Well, that's that's sure. So that's like a that, that's like antique car modifying custom made new parts for it. Exactly, and that's not somebody, you know, and that's the thing about, you know, that's the thing about me and Jim and I is, uh, you know, if we can't do it, we're going to find a way to do it, especially in a lighter that's going, you know, that's that's worth so much. The guy said he had paid $2,000 for it, and I t when he when I initially got it, I, I was like, uh, you've uh, hope you hadn't thrown away two thousand dollars worth something in gold and all that but you'd hate to scrap a lighter like this and uh so i actually sent the, the watch off to have it uh cleaned and it's working um so that you know the, the cost was a lot higher than a normal lighter believe me but uh, <laughs> certainly the lighter now is worth uh it's 
probably six to ten thousand dollars at least, maybe more. You know, if it went up for auction, you had several people wanting it. Uh, it could go even above that. Wow. Uh, but I just want to make a point that there is a difference in downhill roller gases. Uh, pretty much, you have the original roller gas, which they patented in 1956, and they started mass producing them in 1957. Uh, that continued pretty much the basic, that same basic design continued until, uh, 2004 In 2005, they come out with the new generation roller gas. And unfortunately that lighter, uh, is not like, is not hardly as dependable as the old one. It's got a propensity to, to clog up to, and it, it was designed. So, you know, in a roller gas, you could, you can adjust it to where you get a flame of a foot okay mm-hmm. so dunhill wanted to do away with that so they made it to where they they kind of put a governor on it and the design is completely different and uh unfortunately the the problem with that that you'll get a flame you might get a, a good flame an inch and a quarter uh but as time if especially if someone uses a inferior butane the flame will slowly go to like barely where you could light a cigarette off of. So I, I don't have, a, I only have a few of those in my collection because again, I don't, those are not something that, that are, is it easy for a person to fix because you would have to take it apart and the, the valve in it, you have to like clean it and it's no really good. Certainly do uh, things that uh, it's not, you know, like cleaning the ultrasonic cleaner and the valve and, it's, it's just not, it's just, it's still, you, you're only going to get the maximum flame uh, at the factory settings, which is probably an inch. So it makes, certainly makes lighting a pipe with, with the new, you know, with the new generation roller gas made from 2005 to, to uh, just a year or so ago. Um, not really a, as good a lighter as uh, the original. Where can we go to see the lighters you've worked on? Maybe find out about buying one from you. How do we get a hold of you guys? Well, my my Facebook page, I you know, I get people, I get questions from all around the world, literally all around the world, and uh, it's a uh, Vintage Dunhill Roller Gas Collectors is the my page on Facebook. Uh, the group that uh, is vintage Dunhill roller gas lighter collectors. I had, and I have over 1500 people in that group. And many of them, most of them, I taught how, you know, especially the ones that have been there for years. Um, I taught them how to do it. And now, and the good thing about that is now I, I can just sit back and watch and watch them tell the new people how to, how to uh, service their lighter or who to send the lighter to. In whichever country they're in, so I have people in Australia, in Great Britain, in Greece, in Canada. Just you know, I have people now all around the world that can can repair these lighters uh, in a way that I would uh, the way I talk. So. And again, we're, we'll put a link to this on the show notes, but also Rollagas is spelled R O L L. A G A S one word. So it's vintage Dunhill roller gas collectors. And then I, from there, I'm guessing we can reach out to you and, and, uh, see what you got. And maybe, uh, 
you know, holidays are right around the corner, so it might be a perfect time to pick up a, uh, a, a Dunhill lighter as a gift, too. I've got a lot of really nice lighters I'm about to put up on um, on that site, either going to eBay or not. I hadn't decided if I'm going to. And we'll see how easy it is maybe to, to sell them without cutting eBay out. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, I, I'll just say I haven't sold uh, most of the things. I've, I've just had eBay links because I do sell a lot on eBay as, as far as the kits and other parts and springs. Uh, gentlemen, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. And we'll go with uh, well, Jim first. Are you ready? I'm ready. Jim, what is your favorite pipe? Probably a Dunhill apple briar. Um, I inherited my father's collection of Dunhills, and unfortunately, some years ago, decided most of his pipes were too heavy for me, so I kept all the light ones. So today I have about a half a dozen Dunhills left. Um when I'm sitting at the computer, it's a church warden. I have a Kamoi uh, church warden, and uh, I'm still smoking John Cotton tobacco. <laughs> uh, I'm probably a chain pipe smoker. Um, I can verify uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> I go through about a chin of John Cotton a week. So that, that keeps me in good form. But uh, they're on my probably my two favorite pipes. David, what is your favorite pipe? This would be my Dunhill pipe. I don't know the model. Uh, <laughs> Jim would. Uh, and I have I have a few other just cheaper pipes that oftentimes will, that's what I, I take out with me. I don't like to take my Dunhill outside of my home. Jim, what is your favorite tobacco? Well, I mentioned it. Uh, I am a devout smoker of English blends. And between um, the now defunct uh, Dunhill 965, which I am very, very happy to see, uh, Peterson has gotten the rights to and is getting ready to remarket either the Dunhill something like the 965. And in the case of John Cotton, um, John Cotton was around for years and years and years. As I said, my family, my dad smoked it, my grandfather smoked it. And going back to the day, there were basically four blends of John Cotton. It was one, two, three, and Smyrna. And then in the late 1970s, John Cotton, ceased to exist, and then through a tobacco blending contest um, that took place a couple of years ago, uh, the John Cotton blend was awarded, and they took the name on, and have come out with a whole new line, and they are as close to the original, I think, as anybody's ever going to get. And then they are now offering a series of different blends, and I'm into the sweet English. Um, and I normally, from uh, around the corner from you in North Carolina, uh, order in about a dozen cans at a time. So that's my tobacco. David, what's your favorite tobacco? Uh, well, 
Jim kind of got me hooked on this sweet English uh, by John Cotton, and that's pretty much what I smoke most of the time. And Jim, what is your favorite drink? Jack Daniels. There we go. If you're asking, drink, drink with a kick. <laughs> that 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 brown Tennessee water. David, what is your favorite drink? Well, it used to be Jack Daniels, but uh, I was actually raised uh, about 16 miles away from uh, where they make Jack Daniels in Lynchburg, Tennessee. And actually, my grandmother worked for Jack Daniels for 20-something years in the bottling department. So I, I remember as a kid going to Jack Daniels and, uh, you know, I did <laughs> tours and behind-the-scene <laughs> tours. But I, I stopped drinking in 2010, so... Uh, now it's just a Coke, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Or for me, just a good old cup of coffee. Uh, yeah. Jim, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? A book. I'm very much a bookworm. Always have been. And David, a book, a movie, or uh, music? Music. And then the final question is, Jim, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? I would probably say the one thing I probably brag about the most of the half dozen Daniels I have left. One of them, uh, I have a photograph of my father at Cambridge in 1930 smoking. Wow. And it has a lot of memorabilia to it and pipe is banged up to all get out. But it smokes wonderfully. <laughs> and David, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Uh, it's probably where we, uh, my brothers and I, we took uh, my father's one of my father's pipes and smoked uh, rabbit tobacco or something, trying to uh, <laughs> to uh, you know to whatever you think you're going to do when you're a kid smoking. I guess back grown up but yeah we put some rabbit tobacco in it and the next time and then we put it back on his uh in his uh, rack and the next time he used it he was like what in, <laughs> what in the world going on here <laughs> uh, and uh <laughs> we had to uh stand in inquisition start <laughs> so again the uh, the facebook group to reach out to them is vintage dunhill roller gas collectors and uh Jim, can I give out your email address? It's P J Paul four two at gmail.com. There you go. PJ Paul forty two at gmail.com. Guys, thanks for coming on. Thanks for thanks for doing what you're doing and uh and fixing up these old beauties. I thank you for having us. Thank you. And we'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. 
using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf. Each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. I do love talking to people that are passionate about what they're doing, and Jim and David are both passionate about it. Take a look at what they're doing. might be able to pick yourself up a Dunhill lighter for Christmas. All right, for music, keeping with the holiday tradition, (laughs) this is Albert King, uh, and and this one's not exactly family-friendly for Christmas, which would explain why it doesn't have a Rudolph the Reindeer uh, song to it or anything. But um, anyway, (laughs) it's uh, Santa Claus Wants Some Loving.
the late great Albert King blues man extraordinaire. Uh, find him on Spotify and listen to the entire playlist. Monday, Monday. You've got mail. You've got mail. Thursday, Friday. You've got mail. In the mailbag. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email them directly to me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com, or you can go on to PipesMagazine.com. And if you're not registered, you should be. Go on there and leave a comment right there on the radio show page. Uh, just like Casey Ghost does almost every week, and this week he said regarding last week's show, I uh, really like this show. Lots of interviews with people whom I, whom I have met or know of. I was somewhat surprised at the number of guys who were pipe shoppers instead of tobacco shoppers. I thought everyone was in the mode of got to buy tobacco. And of course, listening to Bing Sing Christmas music is a treat. There you go. We made We made Dan happy this week. Uh, Dino says, like Dan, I really enjoyed the show, especially your theme of what pipes did you bring? I find it quite enlightening to hear the choices and reasons. I also enjoyed the pipe show ambiance. Yes, bingle all the way. Thanks, Dino. You are welcome. And, uh, you know, it was interesting, too, because I've always thought of the West Coast pipe show as more of a pipe focused show and less of a tobacco focused show where you go to Columbus or... Uh, maybe even uh, Richmond, and it seems to be a little bit more tobacco-focused and less pipe-focused. Just seems to be the way the shows uh, tend to go. Um, you never know. Um, anyway, I do need your help, though. I do need your help. Uh, in the uh, problems with my computer, we killed the file, or I killed the file accidentally, that has the remaining Ask Jeff, uh, Ask the Pipe Maker segments. So if you have a question for the Ask the Pipe Maker segment that you have not had answered on the show or heard on the show, please email them in to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, uh, or send them to me as a Facebook message or an Instagram message. Just get them to me. Uh, we do need those again. That file got corrupt and all the damage that and all the, the stuff that was going on with my computer last month. And I can't save it. So, again, if you have an Ask the Pipe Maker question that you have not heard, please send it in to me. And we'll get uh, Jeff and I will sit down and record some of those again here shortly. Um, hopefully, you know, before all the chaos of the holidays hits. All right, there you go. Um, rave time coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Friday when we got the call, uh, we were at a mall about uh, 
five miles away from the hospital, and my daughter was at a store about two miles away from the hospital. We got the call from her friends that she'd had an episode and that the ambulance was on the way. By the time we got to our car, they had said that they were that the ambulance was there and they were taking her off to the to a hospital. And we knew we figured where they were going. We got in the car, we headed there, we beat them there. Anyway, uh, might have been my car. My car was a little excited. Uh, but anyway. From the time we hit the emergency room doors, we got there before the ambulance did. From the security guards at the front of the emergency room to the people at registration and to every medical professional that we dealt with in the emergency room, I say thank you for being professional. Thank you for being courteous. Thank you for being caring. Not one person had a grumpy face on them. Everybody had perfect bedside manner. And this is coming from... I've been familiar with the emergency medicines before, but this hospital in particular, everybody in there was smiling and courteous, professional, and thorough. And it was a, it was just wonderful to see their concern for how we were feeling and for how our daughter was doing. So again, if you're in the emergency services, if you work in an emergency room, thank you from me for what you do and... You know, this was their Friday after Thanksgiving, and they were, I'm sure those people would have rather been with their families, but instead they were doing their job and being concerned and courteous and professional the entire time. And so oftentimes the uh, medical profession gets, you know, not the the most glorious uh, reviews. Well, this group of people, just absolutely wonderful. And for that, thank you very much. I want to thank... Jim and David for joining me. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving weekend here in the United States. If you didn't, happy last weekend of November and hope you all get a chance again to sit back, relax and be thankful and uh, contemplate what the holiday season means to you. So thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy What's your favorite color? Put that down. Hello? Hello?